Hi there, and thanks for joining us. A bumper podcast to finish out not just 2019, but the decade. We're going to talk about Keep Cups, why cybersecurity should be top of your list for 2020, the balloon business, and yoga. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. My next guest has celebrated 10 years in business this year and is somebody who I have a huge fascination with because what she does is simply amazing and she has brought a friend with her to the studio today. Um, You're written down here as Jenny Red Balloon, but I believe that your original surname was Murphy. So can we go with that, Jenny Murphy? We can indeed. (laughs) But no one will know who I am then. Exactly. (laughs) You're very welcome to Red Business. Who did you bring with you? Because he's nice and kind of crispy and wrinkly here. Who's this guy? I bought Johnny the Elf. Johnny the Elf. And Johnny the Elf is is, a proper elf. Yes. For the Waterford expression. Uh, This is part of your seasonal fare, I'm presuming. Indeed. (laughs) Tell me about... But especially for you now, you can put him on the passenger seat and you can travel well, around I'm with you. I'm personally terrified of the elf that lives in my house and, and the things that he does. This guy worse? This guy has got a far more amenable personality. But I, I'm, I'm glad of that, yes. as, as will the kids. Um, come here to me, Jenny. Tell me a little bit about the business. Those of you who don't know what you do, they're, they're missing out. But what, tell us about Jenny Red Balloon. Um, so Jenny Red Balloon is actually Red Balloon and um, we are balloon decorators. So we, uh, we bring the party to your event. Uh, we make walls out of balloons we make castles out of balloons you name it we'll try it Um, I love making big displays the bigger the better we have cascaded balloons down the side of buildings we have made chains on buildings to represent um, a company in Cork that was keep it was called Lockkeeper I think was the name of it Um, so we will make your event look fabulous where there Horton works um, a building in Albert Key their logo was an elephant so I made them a giant green elephant out of one balloon no out of many balloons out of many balloons about four and a half thousand. That's a lot of balloons. Yes. And did you blow them up individually or was yes. there a machine that did that for you? Well, we have machines that blow them up, but unfortunately they have to be minded while they're blowing, being okay, blown up. Okay, so yes. that, was, that was laborious, I would imagine, but the, the, ele- the elephant was worth it at the end. It was. Um, were you always a bit obsessed with balloons or was it something that no. you kind of fell into? No. Um, I did business in college. I wanted to be a florist. My hands were too small, so I was never going to cut it as a florist. Your hands are, they are quite small, but do you need big hands to be a florist? Well, ideally not be able to wear your communion gloves. Right, okay. <laughs> because if you think of your favourite flowers, might be a dozen roses with some eucalyptus and some baby's breath. And my poor little hands doesn't hold them oh, in one thing. So that's quite sad. Oh, hang on, me, me, Johnny the Elf is after falling over there. We put him back up. Uh, so at what point did balloons come a thing then? Um, I was an auctioneer and I left the inflated (laughs) industry (laughs) to work in an inflation industry Um, and Red Balloon began as a gift shop with some balloons and over a quick space of time balloons became more and more and more what we did. Were were you any good at the auctioneering? I mean was, was it something you enjoyed or did you find it not quite suited to your talents? I loved it, but I was always wanted to like redesign the houses. And when I worked in West Cork, you never knew what was going to be inside the door because houses in West Cork were very unique. So you're, you know, invited, a reflection like, of the people of West Cork. Yes. <laughs> so when you went into a house in West Cork, like you, you thought you were going into a two bed farmhouse, 
and then you realise it's amazing all the outhouses have been converted into this amazing like courtyard of, of a house that had like secret doors going into bedrooms and stuff like that and then when I moved to Cork it was working mainly with sort of more two bed semis and yes, stuff like that so you just didn't have bo- the boring same old house time and time again the odd bit of decor that might set you off but yeah. so you decided balloons were the future because they became bigger and bigger and bigger in your life um, did you think that you would get to the point where you are now with this lovely building in Ballincollig which I pass on a regular basis that you just see rammed with balloons up to the front <laughs> of the window because you've got a big operation now don't you we do um, I suppose you know they all say about vision about four and a half years ago um, I looked to buying I had looked to buying that premises. I knew there wasn't hope. And, you know, I was trying. And so I didn't. But last year I met a guy who was looking to buy a property and I strongly suggested that this would be a great property. And I also offered to rent the property off him. It's ground floor. We were upstairs, two flights of stairs. We're able to park the van right outside the door. We're able to load. We're able to um, bring, like, complete our work. And so when we get on site, we do it on hours creating we've it all done so everything it's working far smoother and everyone's happier and it's warm it's warm and pleasant and enjoyable and full of balloons yeah. um, to the colourful creations because again you, the elephant is a prime example of this that concept has to be in your head somewhere I mean you can't google how do you blow up balloons to make an elephant that has to be inside Jenny Murphy's head one would argue Yes, I suppose there's a lot of it I, I, I was my dad was um an electrician by trade, he would have done an awful lot of DIY at home. He was always making and creating things. So, and my mum has a natural flair for creativity. Um, while she was filling pints, she always had beautiful displays behind the counter and had a real flair for art. And so between the two of them, I was always very, I was very hands-on. So I would have a fairly, I suppose engineering mind that I can see how things would be made and like I have an account in Micrometal there isn't many females in Cork that have an account in Micrometal when I go into Micrometal the lads ask me Jenny what are you going making now? <laughs> and what do you what is Micrometal? Well that's little the intricate middle parts of the balloon uh, is Micrometal it? it's where you buy all your pieces like it's where the ironmongers go to okay. get there and to make their games so, Okay so you are almost unique in that environment therefore Yeah okay. <laughs> But you, you've had tremendous success you were the first Irish person to be invited to the International Balloon Convention I yes. didn't realise there was one um, you have a certificate in balloon artistry one of uh, only a, a few thousand people that have that in the world uh, and you have won awards at said same international balloon convention as well I mean that's kind of mad for, it is for, it's for great. an auctioneer who wanted to study business and then wanted to be a florist but whose hands were too small <laughs> it's not bad no it's cool and I, I suppose the balloon industry is quite interesting somebody sent me um, a tweet the other day because um, they, they had been watching something online they said oh you need to do that and I was like I actually know that person the lady in the States and he was dumbfounded to think that I know because the balloon industry is actually very small and well like, it's a, in this country it's you <laughs> <laughs> so yes it is very small um, so I'm competing in float again in um, in January actually so I'm going back to St. Louis in January to compete and so are I'm you on it. are you on best of luck with that are you on your own then in the big um, building in Ballincollig or do you have people working with you now no there's a team of us there so um, it's expanded a bit this year and hopefully maybe a little bit more next year and so looking to 2020 and again um, as I'm reminding everybody this is actually a new decade it seems to have kind of crept up on us without realising um, what's the next decade got ahead of you? I'm very excited about the next decade but I'm not actually sure exactly where we're going because I had so many things pinned on 2019 
that and it all happened. Now it all happened through an awful lot of hard work and a little bit of wing and a prayer and a little bit of luck. But do you say but you got things pinned on 2019? Pins are very bad in your business. They burst the balloons. For the love <laughs> of God, do. keep pins away. So 2020, what's happening? So 2020, um, I suppose I'm going to put it out here. We're going to have our new website up in the first quarter of 2020. I've said it live on air, so now I have to do it. Um, that would be a huge um, benefit for us. We have been making amazing things and I suppose our Red Balloon Cork has the most stuff up in it that we're doing because it's so easy to update your Instagram. But God, it's effort to update your website. Yes, um, it, what is it, that's it. And we can't do, it, Instagram's much easier because it's what you've been working on that day. The website, you have to go back in. There's, there's something called back end. I don't know what a back end is. Oh. It's, it's, it makes no sense. Instagram, I get. I have 22,000 photographs on my phone. <laughs> I'm like, I just need like the little people, maybe that Johnny the Elf there can do it for me. Is like, put all those pictures, caption them and make them all look nice. This put is, them on the website. That is tough. Also, keep doing it as we keep making creative, cool stuff. And therein lies the rub. Yes. <laughs> I do it as you go along. Well, look, Johnny the Elf is a prime example of the wonderful things that you do in Red Balloon. How do people find you? The the website that's about to be changed, but what is the website address right now? Um, it's redballooncork.com, but best to check out our Instagram, it's redballooncork. Um, as well. You are genuinely a creative genius because anytime I see your stuff it's I instantly know it is Jenny Red Balloon as you are known here on Red Business. <laughs> Jenny Murphy congratulations on having a wonderful year and here's hoping the next decade brings you uh, as much uh, joy and success as you can hope for. Jenny Thanks thank you for joining us. Red Business all that's best about business in Cork. Now on Red Business, we are looking forward to 2020 and New Year's resolutions, of which there are many that are made and very few that are followed through on. One of mine, before we even speak to our next guest, was to use the Keep Cup. Stop taking those allegedly compostable cups, or indeed worse again, the ones that have to be thrown in the bin every single time uh, in 2020. And to that end, my next guest has come up with an initiative uh, that will help people people working in one of the busiest parts of the city uh, to avoid the dreaded takeaway cup. Dermot Vaughan is the general manager of the Cork Airport Hotel. Dermot, how are you? And thanks very much for joining us. I'm good, Jonathan. How are you? Not too bad. Um, I'm a devil for these. I'm, I'm forever picking them up. I must go through, uh, on a bad day, three or four, uh, which is an awful waste. Uh, you are trying to incentivize people to bring their own. Yeah, I, I suppose on, on our side, um, it's not just in our hotel here, the Cork Airport Hotel. It's very much in our group, which is Trigon um, Hotels, which is ourselves here, and the Cork International and the Metropole. So we've set up a greening committee, and the purpose of the greening committee is to look at sustainability in, in our industry. And we don't just look at our hotels, we're looking at different um, different actions that hotel groups are doing, both nationally and internationally, to see how we can be, um, I suppose, more efficient and um, sustainable. Um, So we come up with um, this starter, which is Keep Cup Monday, where we're um, encouraging our guests to a buy a keep cup, and it's, this isn't a selling uh, for us because we're not actually we're not selling them. Um, if if a customer comes on a Monday with their keep cup, we'll give them uh, free tea and coffee. Um, we see a very captive audience to promote this in the business park. Um, there's um, close to four thousand people working in the business park. Four thousand? Are that many? Yeah. Um, who would be of the um, 
possibly of the culture of drinking a lot of tea and coffee on their way to work and commute, who, as you said, stopping in the garages um, maybe once or even twice a day um, and using the paper cups. And, and, and a huge waste that, that comes with that. You think of hotels, traditionally you have been reasonably environmentally friendly because if you serve a cup of tea, it's probably in a very fine cup. Uh, the plates are all washed and used. It's kind of crept in as it's crept in to every aspect of society that these kind of disposable throwaway things all of a sudden became very usable. And, and now you've kind of decided to take a small step back from that. Yeah, I suppose um, in, in, our, in our industry, Jonathan, food and beverage would, it would be quite sustainable. Um, as you said, a lot of our, obviously our crockery would be reusable. Obviously it's washed, um, plates, knives, um, forks, etc., and where we do have a heavy aspect of the um, plastic products will be in accommodation. Um, obviously, your um, your toiletries will be a lot. Your shampoos, your conditioner, your body wash, etc. Um, in the past, would have been in plastic um, bottles, and not only in, would they be in plastic bottles, um, but if they were half used, they're thrown out. So, in terms of the efficiency of that. Um, so we're, we're moving we're moving forward um, totally we're getting rid of in 2020 we're getting rid of um, our plastic bottles and we're going with a can uh, plastic bottles of water we're going with a can um, but still in sparkling and it's there's, there's so many companies out there at the moment who are looking at this sustainability line and it's the new buzzword for 2019, 2020 in terms of sustainability, but you see a lot of the corporate companies, it's when they're tendering, when we're tendering for business, it's most certainly what's being asked for now is their poli- with our policy in terms of sustainability. And when you say it's a can, is the can recyclable then on the yeah. top? So in other words, what you're doing is you're still using a disposable product, but it's a more readily recyclable product. Ab- absolutely. And we're, we're looking at all ways where we can we can look into that um, going going um, digital as many things as we can or using our um, newsreader apps so we're, we're trying to look at different ways um, by looking at by this, I suppose, an overview of the whole country um, where, where our changes are only going to make a small change but I think um, we're, we're looking forward and we have a very 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 um, interesting committed uh, engaged greening team in Trigon where we're looking at totally different things outside the box to, and this isn't a PR. This isn't this isn't. Um, it's it's not greenwashing as they call it. You're, you're, yeah. There's a genuine effort being made here. How old are you again, David? Remind me. I'm twenty nine. Twenty nine. So you're under thirty. Um, I'm probably one of the, if not the youngest general manager in the country of any hotel. Is is that helping you drive this on? Because you you're of a very tuned in generation. I mean, old man of the hill here, who's fourteen years older than you, uh, it might be accused that uh, we we kind of dropped the ball on the whole environment thing, and it's looking to the younger generation to get us out of the hole. Is that helping? Um, I don't think age has something to do with it. I think um, the people responsible for the actions around our environment and the actions um, in relation to greening and sustainability. I think everyone has to do it. I think it's been very much driven in, I think, maybe below 30. It's most certainly been driven in secondary school and primary schools at the moment as education. Uh, for me, it was never mentioned in secondary or primary school or even college. And I'm saying the same would be for um, for students who may be five years younger than me. So it's it's becoming it's becoming a culture. It's becoming, as I said previously, it's becoming the buzzword. It's, be, it's, it's, it's now in people's vocabulary. Yeah. 
And when I was away, actually just away last weekend, I did note that on the plane there was very little, and if anything, there was no recycling being done in the hotel. I kind of did feel guilty using the little plastic bottle. The consumers probably could drive this as well, aren't they? And of course, if you get them to come in for the free coffee on the Monday, they might come back on the Tuesday as well. So, I mean, it, it, everybody wins in this scenario when we make a bit of an effort. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the most important thing. We have people who... Um, who are coming here on a Monday with their keep cup and it's their first time they've come here so we're not I'm not trying to sell them something on a Monday there's no upselling happening um, they're coming in the door oh, you wouldn't turn it down like if they wanted to buy a croissant you'd let uh, them have it wouldn't you absolutely but I want to be very clear that this isn't a, this isn't a selling um, I don't have an agenda here in terms of selling I'm not selling keep cups behind the counter they bring their own and that's, uh, I want yeah. to be very clear on that um, but there's a selling side of it on the other side of it as well. My job is obviously as general manager is to promote sales and drive sales within this property. And that's something that is working um, throughout 2019. I started the role in March and we're really looking forward to 2020 with some great initiatives and great ideas. I mean, I'm genuinely surprised that there's 4,000 people working up here. They all need to go somewhere for lunch and you've been tapping into that market as well, presumably between yourselves and the other hotel here. They need somewhere to go. Yeah, and that and that Jonathan is what we're looking at um, in 2020. Um, at the moment, we have a very very well established Italian eatery called Olivo. Um, excellent food. We're very lucky to have an excellent head chef in Trevor O'Keefe and an excellent team, excellent food and beverage man- manager in Paul Murray. Um, but we find that our food and beverage offering at the moment isn't catering for everyone. Our food and beverage offering at the moment is an a la carte sit down menu where you might have a 15 or 20 minute time to wait. So we're changing all that. Um, hitting the ground running in Q1 where we're, uh, we're launching a, a, a kind of an Olivo market concept where it'll be your um, looking at the greening and looking at the um, I suppose the environment it'll be very vegan healthy food where people can queue up and get it and sit down uh, with the food uh, high end which also, also then coincides in, a par- in parallel with our meeting rooms because our meeting rooms are flying at the moment uh, we have five meeting rooms and we could do it another five um, and they're going very very strong but those people eat as well and they have maybe three or four food um, food and beverage um, options a day so we need them to eat but they have their time their time is shorter okay well we leave it there Dermot wish you and the team here at the Cork Airport Hotel the very best look Dermot Vaughan General Manager of the Cork Airport Hotel thank you for joining us on Red Business thank you very much the only show in town for Cork Business, Red Business. So 2019 is probably a year that will go down as one of those that wasn't great when it comes to cybersecurity breaches and bad news stories about what your data was being used for. Most companies are still largely oblivious to the risks of their data being online or being compromised in any way. But my next guest has uh, set up a concern designed to help with that exact challenge. Philippa Jane Fire, Pro Privacy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for Tell having me. Tell us a little me. bit about uh, the business. First of all, you, you and people will hear from your accent. You're, you're not originally from Cork, but uh, you have no. made it your home. Yes, yeah, no, we love it here. I'm originally from South Africa. We arrived here two years ago and I was supposed to be on a break studying a master's law degree, distance learning from Edinburgh. I gave a talk on privacy rights and I was asked to please come in and help with this GDPR So I had a look at the GDPR and having done a law degree from South Africa, realized it was nearly identical to our Protection of Personal Information Act. So I said, yes, I can come and help you with this GDPR. So we went in and did an assessment. 
you know, got the business up to speed on what they needed to do procedure wise. And from there, I was asked to come in and help more people and ended up having to register a company and give up the law degree, the LLM, <laughs> and get on with work. So, yeah. OK, so therefore, you, you kind of like most good businesses, you kind yeah. of fell into it then, yeah, did you? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And when you started looking at the the landscape and how people yeah. were viewing their data, how they were protecting yeah. themselves, what did you find? I find that when people are aware of the implications of not caring for their data, they begin to care about their data very quickly. But before they're educated to the point where they understand what actually happens to their data, they might not care so much, you know, signing up to a newsletter or using a service that's not entirely secure. Um, we we have GDPR and it's become a kind of a badge to hide behind for a lot of yeah, companies who don't yeah. want to do the obvious thing. Yeah. It's, it's misused more than it's used yes. correctly, one would argue. Yeah. Um, is it a good thing? Yeah, OK. You're talking to somebody who comes from, a, you know, a civil rights background where dignity and privacy are paramount. And I really strongly believe that unless you're exercising your right to privacy, you probably are never going to be the whole human being you're supposed to be because you're going to have so many outside influences coming into your mind. Your mind is probably the most sacred space of, of any space and we should be taking care of that. So, yes, the GDPR is absolutely a good thing because it stems from the right to privacy and has extended into the right to data protection. So you get to take you get to take it and take back your identity and only release that part of it that's necessary or that you want to release to the public. So you can wall around yourself and your family. So absolutely, yes, it is a good thing. Um, and when people think about it, it was it was badly introduced because it was it was like this massive block that all of a sudden yeah. we weren't going to keep anyone's phone number on record yeah. anymore. Yeah. But that hasn't been how it has been in reality. But do companies do they get that when they come to you or do they only come to you with a problem? Um yeah, we're trying to go into 2020 to be more proactive and we're trying to push that on our social media channels and on the website, you know, proactive compliance, mature your compliance um, rather than come in a reactive space and say, OK, I'm in a disaster. What we found before the 25th of May was that people just trashed um, data, they trash databases and they lost a lot of IP for the company. You know, there's a there's a balance to be had between um, private rights and uh, business interests. And that's that's the balance that people are battling to find mm. is what what can we do to grow our business in a responsible and, um, you know, ethical way? What should we be doing to protect our consumers and our people? So it's probably something that companies have either long fingered or farmed out yeah. or not thought about in a while. Yeah. So look, we're, yeah. we're starting a new year. In fact, we're starting yes. a new decade, which yeah. is a terrible shock to most people. We, yeah. This is going to be the 20s that we're entering. Yeah. What do they need to do at the start of the 20s to make sure that they are not only compliant, but engaging in the best practice? Well, first of all, put data protection onto your risk register. It belongs there. And you're assuming they have a risk register. Yeah, I am assuming a lot here. So, you know, <laughs> that's grand as well. Make a risk register. Put the first line data protection. You know, it's very, very real it's data protection and cybersecurity. Then have the discussions at the highest level of management, support the compliance staff or the staff that have been kind of uh, often just, and I mean, this is going to sound terrible, but just dumped with the job. 
you know, they really need a lot of support. It's very emotionally draining. It's very taxing on their day to try and get around all the, the parts of the regulation that they have to implement in their daily work. So you have the risk register, you have the discussions at top levels of management, delegate down, you know, create a team in the business to deal with this and then make it a long term program. I mean, it should be a three to five year program in a business to get compliance. There's no just calling in a consultant for one or two sessions and yes, take your compliance. It is something that gets embedded into every single part of the business. Mm, and, and at that point, then it becomes second nature to everybody exactly. when they're doing it. Exactly. You're not based in the city. You're, no. you're kind of, you, you have a rural base. And, yeah. and if you're thinking of somebody running in your area, cybersecurity, yeah. privacy, yeah. protection, uh, you know, s- settling out of Castletown Roach wouldn't be the natural starting point, but that's what you do. Yeah, no, we. Uh, I come from a farming family, actually, so it is second nature. My husband is an environmental manager by trade, so for us to live in the city would be quite a big change. Our children grew up on a farm in South Africa, so we, we love it there, and um, we lived so far out from the city in South Africa, we got used to commuting and going in for meetings, so it's no issue to come into the city when we're needed here. You know, I work from a home office or I work from a co-working space when I need to. So we're embracing the remote remote work um, principles and, and the guidelines the government's putting out now, which is fantastic. We'll be growing the business next year to hire in consultants to um, help with the auditing and the handholding that businesses need. Mm. We've developed an, an app for standardised auditing that's incredibly comprehensive oh, okay. and is being received very, very well. So we can get people in who don't have like the specialist skills that that I would have, you know, and they would get more familiar with the skills that are needed. So in other words, they're not effectively a group sitting in the one place but they are scattered through the four corners of Ireland as long as they've got a broadband connection and brain and the background in privacy they're going to be able to work with you and the name of the app is the Serity app I think Yes yeah it is What does Serity mean? Um, Should I be honest? Yes Yeah my business partner really liked the way that it sounded so he (laughs) chose it and he doesn't have children so I let him name it (laughs) You know? well, well, at least now yeah. you know what it is. That is yeah. it, it's like surety, but serity. Yeah, it's, it's it just sounds nice. It's yeah. there. And that's been put together with the support of the local enterprise office yes. as well. So yeah. everything is coming together for you now. Yes. Are you expecting a good year in 2020? Oh, absolutely. I'm a very positive person. I irritate my family immensely with that, but I'm very, very positive. We've done so well in the last two years. Um, and I just, I really appreciate the support and guidance from the local enterprise office. We met with them before we even moved out here. You know, um, Joan and her crew, Cahill, they're in Mallow. They're they're really amazing. And uh, the courses that they put on, I would really recommend anybody starting up to just plug yourself into that ecosystem. Philippa Jane, how do people find you? Um, online, obviously, you know, because I kind of live online. Yes. Um, website is proprivacy.ie. Uh, I'm very active on Twitter. It's my Twitter handle is just call me pips. Um, we have a Facebook page that's kind of more, um, how should I say, calm than the Twitter uh, chats are. So yeah, anywhere online or LinkedIn. Okay, so yeah. Philippa Jane Farley, proprivacy.ie is the website. The very yeah. best of luck to you in the thank new you year. So and thank you for joining us. Thank on you Red for Business. having me. Thanks. Red Business. Cork's exclusive business podcast. My next guest completed her BSc Honours in Chemistry from UCC and was pursuing a life in pharmaceuticals for seven years before taking a slightly different turn. And she is now the proud master of the Alchemy School of Yoga, which is based on the Model Farm Road in Cork. Jean Noonan, or Jean Gianti. Noonan, her, to yes, be technical. Exactly. <laughs> You're very welcome to Red Business. Thank you so much. That, Lovely to be here. That was quite the gear change I- in was. professions. It really was, yeah. Um, I think I'd always been interested in helping people and I'd always been interested in how things worked and that's why I studied chemistry. 
and where I was making drugs, um, well, not necessarily making them, but helping to test drugs that were saving lives, I felt like I didn't have so much of a tangible connection with the people I was helping. And I'd always been interested in movement. And then I discovered yoga and I thought, wow, this is really cool, you know, Um you can very much see the effects that it has on people. And I just was totally drawn to it. But you, you, could, you could have just, you know, practiced yoga. You I didn't could. necessarily have to become a master point. at yoga. So, I mean, <laughs> and the, my dad would very much agree with you there. <laughs> was that a difficult conversation to say you were leaving your full-time permanent pensionable job to take up being a yoga teacher? It was. And to be fair to my lovely dad, he always supported me. But I think, you know, I had a, an amazing job and I loved what I did. Actually, I really did enjoy it. And I loved the people I worked with but um, you know it wasn't long after the crash and here I was leaving this permanent pensionable you know secure job for life that they, everyone they said was, you were mad I'm presuming yeah it, my boss wasn't quite sure what to do no one in my about six years so she didn't know what to do when I told her I was leaving how yeah. do we solve a problem like Jean was yeah. probably the, the, <laughs> the musical version of what it was exactly. so um, deciding to become a teacher is one thing setting up your own school of yoga is different you had no business experience you, you had no. worked in a lab yes exactly now Saying that, my dad is a bit of an entrepreneur, um, maybe one who never made a huge amount of money, but I think I definitely got his creative skills. He's a musician as well. Um, and I think you have to be creative to be an entrepreneur because you, you're literally creating something that wasn't there before. Um, and I feel I have quite a good balance between the skills for being able to teach yoga and, and help people with that um, mixed with the business skills that are needed. Now, there were times I felt like I was drowning. I didn't know what to do. There was a lot of times I felt like I was pretending to be a business person. I didn't know. Oh, well, I think that's pretty much every business yeah, person, to I be fair. So I, I don't think there's any <laughs> of us out there who run a business who don't feel the yeah. odd time like they're somehow impersonating somebody else. Exactly. And I, I smiled and um, and cried through a lot of a lot <laughs> of the learnings for sure. But I had some amazing support and help, which was really, really good. What appetite is there out there for yoga um, it, it it was a thing and then Bikram yoga was a big thing but yeah. that was a bit hot and sweaty for everybody yes. and there's lots of other things you can do now um, is yoga still as popular as it always has been is there a new market for it um, I think so it's uh, if the appetite I feel is insatiable at the moment and it's also necessary I feel like it's something that people need and it doesn't necessarily have to be yoga but there's definitely a need for people to have some sort of practice in their life that makes them feel normal, that makes them feel human. Nearly everything we do in our lives actually makes us feel inhuman or, you know, strange or outside our bodies. And for me, yoga brings you back into your body. Um, and it's a pretty holistic practice in that you can have a full fitness experience from it. Um, it's a completely meditative experience. It's a spiritual experience. You know, it's it helps you with emotional issues. To me, it's just this beautiful, holistic practice um, that I would say is not just necessary, is mandatory for most people. You didn't YouTube it uh, to get your qualification. You actually went to India and you met, uh, 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 what do we call somebody who was the master uh, Um, of yoga? Well, I suppose master is probably an interesting word and and guru is another word that can have maybe some more negative connotations to it. I always think if someone calls themselves a master or a guru, they're probably not. Whereas my teacher calls himself Yoga Rishi, which Rishi means sage or seer. So someone who's just dedicated their lives to seeking, to, you know, exploring what what it is to be human. 
Okay, and, and that was in India, and then you did another um, bit of training around mother and baby, postnatal pregnancy, that kind of Absolutely, thing. Absolutely, I yeah. can't imagine saying to a nine-month pregnant woman that yoga is the key, but is it? Um, it definitely is. Um, the body changes phenomenally when you're pregnant, and there's a lot of... Um, Not in a way that pregnant women like. No, well, depends. It actually depends, and I feel like often pregnancy is given a really negative spin, but it can actually be this incredibly joyous spiritual experience um, if you choose not to listen to all the drama, um, which, you know, is understandably um, around. But um, it's it's been really interesting. I feel women are their most intuitive when they're pregnant. They're their most in touch with their body because it's changing constantly and they're having to adapt constantly. And the same when they become a mother. And um, yoga actually really provides a platform for them to be able to not feel like they're disabled. I think a lot of the time pregnant women are babied actually and oh not safe to do that and you can't do this and you can't do that and I love giving them a thing they can do and a thing where they can feel strong and so given birth you need an immense amount of stamina oh, and you strength do. Yes. And the, poor so, husband, the, the poor male partner needs a tremendous amount of strength and, and but they have to do basically nothing yeah and it's, it's interesting because you know um I carried my niece around in a in a sling there recently and I was like oh my god this is what it feels like to be pregnant you know to have this weight and this you know mass in the front of your belly there's very little you can do so I love uh, teaching pre and postnatal just to be able to help empower the women mm. to actually strengthen their bodies but really very much strengthen their spirit their their mind to get through But you, you get out of, of as well because you have food and yoga walking tours of Cork City now I'm genuinely intrigued because <laughs> yoga is something I'm not familiar with but food and walk this um, is really interesting I like walking yeah. to get food that's one of my favourite pastimes a lot of my times. students unfortunately it happens to be quite a female dominated industry but it's getting there it's definitely balancing out and it's really interesting actually because traditionally yoga was just for men women weren't allowed to do it um, but now at the moment it's become quite female orientated but that food and, and yoga walking tour a lot of my female students would bring their partners along because you know they, they have this practice and this class they go to that they adore and they want to so share so one partner, with their partner has a pint and a bit of grub and the other person does a bit of yoga? Well, we intermix it and it's very much um, helping you realise that yoga doesn't have to be this practice done in tight leggings on a yoga mat in a, in a yoga studio. You know, that yoga is a lifestyle and it can be done anywhere. It's how you eat, how mm. you live. What is a kirtan? So, a kirtan is, um, I suppose, a sacred chanting circle is probably the easiest way to sum it up. So, what we know of yoga these days and what most of yoga is doing these postures on a mat. Um, that's Putting your leg behind your head. That's, exactly. the, that's the myth. And that's one eighth of what yoga is. And there's so much more to it than that. But obviously, you know, a lot of it is kind of culturally entwined in Indian culture. And so it's not seen as normal here yet. So mantra or chanting is another way to practice yoga. It's called Bhakti Yoga. And um, my first kirtan that I went to, I was looking around going, I've joined a cult. This is weird. It it, it sounds weird. I'm not going to lie. It sounds very weird. And I was like, how do I get out of this? This is strange. And then, one week later I was the one up the front chanting and singing and it's really interesting when you get out of the way of your head of is this religious is this strange is it a cult once you let go of that because it's none of those things you realise that sound is energy and energy is healing and um, when you chant mantra especially the ancient mantras it has this phenomenal effect a lot of the time most people burst out crying when they it has this incredible emotional effect Mm. and um, 
I joke with other yoga teachers that we're a bit sadistic. We love when people cry because it just means they've had an emotional oh, that, release. That, that, that you know? journalist, yes. We, yes, we, we, yeah. share, we share something there. I mean, look, it, it's a long way from pharmaceuticals. It is. I yeah. mean, how, how, long were you, uh, how long are you out of pharmaceuticals at this um, point? Five and a half years. Five now. and a half years. Yeah. And, and the school then is going well, I yes. presume. Yeah, we're only open a year. So um, we're open a year in, on January 7th. So that's really exciting. Um, and yeah, I think I think Cork uh, was looking for a space. Um, I suppose the style of yoga I teach and the other teachers who are there teach may not be the same as a lot of the other styles that are being taught. Um, and I feel like it's a really holistic uh, space where mm. it's not just a place to do yoga postures. It's a place to learn about yoga. Okay. And that's why I want to school. Mm. You mentioned your dad, um, yes. who, who seriously questioned uh, the logic of this. Um, yeah. it, 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 I'm presuming now he's fully on board, given that you have a successful Absolutely. business running out of it. Has he, has he partaken in yoga? Um, not yet. We're, is we're is getting the option there. still there for We're him. getting there. He came to visit my retreat in Spain last year and just had a look around. And I think the closest we got to is, I might come back next year, he said. <laughs> well, look. Followed by, I won't do any of the yoga, though. Yeah. Said, Jean's so. dad, uh, 2020. It's a new decade. Yes. Uh, embrace it while you can. Um, Mark is watching. How do you find? How do people find Jeannie Jayanti Noonan and Alchemy School of Yoga? So it's Alchemy School of Yoga. Um, is our website and all the contact details are there and we're the same on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Jean, I, I look forward to seeing you Kirtan at some point uh, from the outside initially uh, rather than getting involved You're but so look, we, we wish you <laughs> and everybody involved in the Alchemy School of Yoga the best luck. Jean Noonan, thanks for joining thanks us on Red much, Business. Jonathan. And that is it from Red Business for 2019. A big, big thank you to all the people who took part throughout the year and most importantly to all of you who downloaded and listened to the episodes. We really do appreciate it. So from myself and producer Nia Hennessy, have a great Christmas and we'll catch you in 2020. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.